Okay, totally official now. It is a recession. Uh, why am I slightly amused by that? Because the Biden administration is pretending that it's all in our mind. This is not a recession, although technically speaking, economists have said for decades that two quarters of negative growth is a recession. But this is how delusional they are, and this is how little respect they have for us. Uh, their spin on these numbers. Uh, <laughs> do you fall for this? As we face historic global challenges, we are on the right path, and we will come through this transition stronger and more secure. Well... The American people are not buying that. The right path, is that what he said? 88% of Americans think we are on the wrong path, the wrong track. And you know what? I don't think recession goes far enough. I think we are in a depression, a depression of spirit. Really, you know, America is not a place that celebrates anymore what we have in common, our culture, our tradition. We are being driven apart, torn apart, and what makes us different? That's what's being highlighted. That's what's being celebrated, not what unifies us. For instance, this summer, Gay Pride Month. I mean, look, I don't want anybody to be ashamed of who they are, but I think there was excessive pride in something that does not bring us all together. Being American is supposed to bring us together, not whether you're straight, not whether you're gay. How about this transgender fixation? This is totally out of control. This is not the hallmark of a normal, healthy society. And it's being driven by the Biden administration because they work for the woke left. And this hideous moment regarding race. I mean, the left has, they want us at each other's throats over race. America, we already did this. We had a horrible war in the 1800s. We came through it. There was a civil rights movement. We passed laws. But for political benefit, no. They, the left, Joe Biden, they want this to be the issue. And by the way, this guy is downright scary. I mean, when he, when he addresses the nation, it's, it's almost like a, like a ghost story every single time. He wants kids to be afraid of those who don't look like them. Hey, one little thing in this budgetary package that uh, it looks like they're going to pass. The IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the most notorious government agency there is, $80 billion increase over the next 10 years. I don't want the IRS to have that kind of money. Do you? The IRS will use this money for the following, to hire auditors and lawyers to collect taxes and punish those who fail to pay. Yeah, yikes. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't trust the IRS. I don't trust the IRS when Democrats are running it. You got to pay your taxes. Not arguing that, but didn't they play all kinds of games with conservatives before? Do you remember this? Groups with Tea Party affiliations say that their constitutional rights were violated after they received extra scrutiny when applying for tax-exempt status. The case was often referenced during the 2016 campaign season as an example of what Republicans called Obama administration overreach. As some of us called it downright persecution and harassment, they came after conservative groups. The IRS did that. Lois Lerner, the IRS was weaponized again 
against the political enemies, perceived political enemies of a Democrat administration. Yeah, this is uh, this is not a great moment for America. A lot of things to we're going to get through it. I'll get to that in a moment. Joe Biden was on the phone today with President Xi for two hours. President Xi for two hours with Joe Biden. Who do you think won? Who do you think won? Two hours of conversation. President Xi, I'm afraid, can run circles around Joe Biden. They spoke for two hours. Uh, the United States put out a pretty benign statement about what they talked about. China came out swinging. Take a look at this. This is how they characterize the uh, telephone call. Those who play with fire will only get burnt. We hope the U.S. side can see this clearly. All right, so what's on their mind? Why are they so fired up? Well, Taiwan. Now, we prefer Taiwan. They're democratic and free, strong ally of the United States. China, however, is far more powerful, and you have to take these things into consideration. Uh, they have a horrible totalitarian regime, but we have to respect that. And you know who just waded into all this nonsense? Nancy. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's most of the product that we've done is, except now we, we may have added in the last hour or so, and some of what we added is Senate. She is, to the bill. Like, you know, I used to find her just kind of amusing like and weird, and, and that's fine. But she has real power, and she wants to go to Taiwan. Let's just review. Remember when she tore up the speech behind President Trump? I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was reckless. And quite frankly, I was, I was amused. How about when she tried to tell off President Trump in the cabinet room, had an emotional, nervous breakdown? Remember that? Pointing her finger at Donald Trump. It was a disgrace. Or going to the beauty parlor in the middle of COVID, maskless, everybody else is hunkered down. But hey, she's important and she gets to get her hair done when everybody else has to stay home. So Nancy Pelosi, as the Speaker of the House, has plans to go to Taiwan uh, as early as next month, Nancy, this is infuriating to the Chinese leadership. We have to respect that. She's causing big time trouble. She has no business being over there. Why would she be going? Is it for Paul? Paul Pelosi has manifold business interests. You know, the world is complicated. There are protocols. Uh, Nancy doing this is far more serious than Donald Trump taking that phone call. Do you remember right after he won the election from the Taiwanese uh, president? Yeah, he did. He got a congratulatory phone call and the Chinese were mad. The mainstream media flipped out. President-elect Donald Trump broke with protocol this weekend, nearly 40 years of diplomatic protocol, accepting that call from Taiwan's uh, president. President-elect Donald Trump is continuing to do things his way. He spoke with Taiwan's president, breaking nearly 40 years of foreign policy. President-elect Donald Trump publicly insulted China by accepting a congratulatory phone call from Taiwan's president Tsai Ing-wen. Well, uh, quite frankly, I loved it when he did things his way. Getting a phone call is a lot less serious. By the way, as technically a private citizen than Nancy Pelosi, the third highest ranking person in America, that's kind of crazy, going to Taiwan. That's really bad, folks. Hey, 
President uh, Trump is on my mind. Hey, let's face it, he's never far from our minds. He's got a great big golf tournament going on right now at his uh, club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Have you heard about this? The Live Tournament? So this is um, a Saudi Arabian company arrangement, and um, I think it's actually fine, okay? We have our concerns about Saudi Arabia. Some of them, though, are misplaced. 9-11 families are speaking out. Now, some of them are pretty fired up. Listen. Trump has been criticized by families and survivors of the 9-11 terrorist attack for hosting the tournament. The 9-11 families are very hurt about this, very upset. There will be protests outside the grounds. For us, 9-11 never feels like 20 years. It, it feels like it's present 20 years later. I am appalled to be standing here speaking about professional golfers' offensive, disrespectful, and hurtful participation in sports washing, exploiting them to improve the Saudi kingdom's image in the U.S. All right. Not going to get into a debate with any family who lost a loved one on 9-11, but they are misinformed here, some of them, in my opinion. 9-11, the worst thing that ever happened to America um, and bin Laden, that horrible, evil, Hitler-like figure orchestrated the whole thing. But a couple of things you got to remember here. He was essentially kicked out of Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabian government did not conduct the September 11th attacks. Saudi Arabia is an ally of America. They are. And in fact, our presidents, Democrat and Republican alike, have visited Saudi Arabia uh, in the aftermath of 9-11. One of the first people that Bush called was Saudi Arabia, the king, saying, you got to be on our side here. We're going to work together. And we did. We count on them for help. Uh, yes, some of the hijackers did come from Saudi Arabia, but that doesn't mean they were Saudi agents. And so much false news about this tournament. Anyway, I wish them a good time. And it does seem like Donald Trump is having a good time lately. Take a look at this. He seems uh, I've never seen him look this content. This was a party last night for the the golfers who have come in from around the world, a lot of uh, top American golfers and celebrities. He seems to be um, tan, rested, and ready. We'll see what happens. The Sesame Street debacle continues. Did you hear? Some character did not hug children, and now the children's family is suing for $25 million. Right there for that moment. Cute kids, but $25 million? We'll be right back. All right, who grew up with Sesame Street? Remember that show? It was fantastic. Bob Gordon, Oscar the Grouch, fantastic. In recent years, they've got even bigger. They've got the amusement park, Sesame Street Place, a deal with HBO. Have you seen this? It was fine. It was a parade. The characters were walking by. That's Rosita, a relatively new character. Watch what happens. All right. Two of the cutest girls in the world, by the way. I didn't see anything all that wrong. Can I see it one more time? Rosita apparently was rude to these girls. One more time. Okay, but something else happens here. Rosita's walking down. Something sets her off. She waves no before she sees those beautiful young girls. Anyway, it's not a big deal. Things like this happen in life. 
They're suing for $25 million. Yes, the family has filed a $25 million lawsuit claiming racial bias against Sesame Place. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. One more time in slow motion. $25 million for this slight. Now watch, something happens. She starts saying no to somebody else. High five. Oh, no, 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 no. I think something negative happened and the girls may have been collateral damage. This Rosita, I don't believe, has any racial animus. It was something else. Earlier in the day, it looks like Rosita was high-fiving people, people of color. It didn't matter. Here she comes, walking down the street. You're about to see... All right, high-fiving right about there. All right, uh, we know that he was friendly with at least one black person at the park, or she, Rosita. Look, the thing is kind of silly, but the mainstream media is running with this one. Sesame Place being under fire this morning, the popular kids amusement park apologized after a video went viral that appears to show a costume character snubbing two black girls. The family and their attorney is going to have a press conference here in New York today, but the little girls, six years old, yeah. I mean, no matter where you come down on interpretation, their little hearts were broken, yeah. and the girls are so sad. They said they've actually gotten counseling for the girls right now, and they've just been sur surrounded by family with the support for now. All right. I mean, they should have just burst out laughing when he said that the girls are receiving counseling in isolation one more time. This is like what we used to call making something a federal case when it's just not a big deal. Again, beautiful, cute girls. Look, there are hundreds of characters. Hug somebody else. I'm sure somebody else would have hugged. Um, but fueled on by the media interest and the completely overwhelming, over-the-top, sympathetic coverage, they've lawyered up and they're suing for a million dollars. Here is the dad speaking out. I'm hurt, devastated, me and my wife, you know. Um, just looking at her face is... is it makes me want to cry every time I see it. Okay, sir, with all due respect, your children, <laughs> nobody died here, all right? That's the kind of press conference you see after a police-involved shooting or something like that. Can I see it again? Let me get this straight. They are suing over this moment. And <laughs> you see, no, 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 no. Sorry, something else, something may have been said. You know, I worked as one of those costume guys. All kinds of people say and do all kinds of things. Uh, the lawyer, now it's his turn. We want to punish SeaWorld because they know what happened was wrong. And we're sure that we are going to find that this was indeed a pattern that they were aware of. They just didn't care. Uh, he looks like he could be on the cast of Sesame Street as well. Sorry. Um, the kids are adorable. I'm sorry that they're mixed up in all of this stuff. Um, beautiful kids, but, you know, this is life. Uh, Rosita might have been having a bad day or something like that, or who knows? But this is obviously a frivolous lawsuit, even though those kids are fantastic. And Rosita, she's okay, too. All right, Adam Kinzinger has got to be one of the worst members who's ever served in Congress. I think, quite frankly... He has the hats for Cassidy Hutchinson and those other witnesses at the January 6th hearing. 
Cassidy Hutchison has shown she is a brave American woman. And I think people like her, Sarah Matthews, Caroline Edwards will go down in history as, as having more courage than, frankly, almost every man in the Republican Party combined. Every man in the Republican Party combined. There are tens of millions of men in the Republican Party. Many of them have served in war. But Adam, I don't think he sees straight when it comes to Cassidy, says that she and her girlfriends have more courage than millions, millions of American men combined. Uh, I don't see it that way. I don't see it at all. I think Cassidy got what so many 20-somethings, male and female, want. Maximum attention for minimum effort. And man, talk about attention, right? I mean, look at that. Cameras everywhere just for telling what some guy at the office told her. Um, Cassidy has always wanted to be on television. She used to go to the Good Morning America show and stand by Lara Spencer and uh, tell everybody that someday she was going to be on TV. And, well, she ultimately got her wish. Sarah Matthews is another one. Um, congratulations, Sarah. You worked at the White House for a couple of months, and uh, now I believe you're cashing in. And just like Cassidy, maximum attention for minimum effort. This is intoxicating. I'm sorry, but this is the Instagram age. You talk to young women and men, millennials, even some older people. This is what they want. And by the way, all kinds of opportunities will arise for both of these women. It's already happening. Um, it's just so strange for Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney to be so enamored with these people and to make it an issue about gender. Listen. She knew all along that she would be attacked by President Trump and by the 50, 60, and 70-year-old men who hide themselves behind executive privilege. But like our witnesses today, she has courage, and she did it anyway. Cassidy, Sarah, and our other witnesses, including Officer Caroline Edwards, Shea Moss, and her mother, Ruby Freeman, are an inspiration to American women and to American girls. I certainly hope not. No way. They shouldn't be. And why is she disparaging 50 and 60 and 70 year old men? Right. As if that's somehow uncool or not valuable. Well, it is, I guess, not chic to be 50, 60 or 70 and to be 20 something, to be a woman and to come out against Trump. Immediately, you get celebrated by Liz Cheney, the mainstream media, invited on to CNN, say whatever the hell you want, as long as it's anti-Trump. By our panel of former Trump White House insiders, Olivia Troy, Alyssa Farah Griffin and Stephanie Grisham. Stephanie, let me start with you. Uh, the scene where Donald Trump was uh, taping video right. messages. This is how it works. And by the way, this is what, um, again, in the swamp, this is a big deal. Sitting on one of these panel shows on the Jake Tapper show, this is considered a big deal. You've arrived, okay? You've arrived. You're somebody. You're a player. And they're already cashing in. And I think, oh, what's her name? Uh, Cassidy and the other one, Matthews, they want to do the same thing. Just like uh, Stephanie Grisham here. She had a job working for Trump. She was the White House communications director at one point. Um, but you can't really benefit from that in our culture because they're trying to cancel Trump. So what do you do? You turn on him like this. The American people were duped by him. I was duped by him. He doesn't care about this country. He cares about Donald Trump. 
Okay, and what happens when you do that? Opportunities galore, book deals, speaking engagements, and you get to host The View. Totally not worth it, by the way. Same goes for the other one, uh, Alyssa Farah, somebody. She was the uh, White House Strategic Communications Director. Eh, Kind of an over-the-top title. Yeah, slamming Trump. That's what you do. That's the price of admission for the club. Will you say that the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, lied to the American people? He did on the election. Could you ever support Donald Trump again for election? I wouldn't. I wouldn't support Donald Trump again. Our country needs to go a different direction. The easiest thing that you can do, you can wake up every morning and condemn white supremacy. That shouldn't be hard. Pulling teeth and making it something difficult was just an unnecessary thing that I repeatedly told him, like, let's make this just unequivocal, condemn it and let's move on. He played a role in inciting the violence on the Capitol. It's very clear. The words are there. We know what he said. All right. So uh, what came her way after this? Uh, now she's actually the permanent, the permanent co-host of The View, CNN contributor, a book in the works, uh, another one. This is this is how it works. Olivia Troy, she worked for Mike Pence and she turned on Trump and then, uh, well, she's cashing in. But first, you got to pay admittance. It's, it's frustrating and it's angering at times to watch these people continue to enable such a dangerous individual that has proven himself to be dangerous time and time again. Cassidy, her life will be forever changed. Mm -hmm. My life will never be the same. Alyssa's life will never be the same because we stood up and we told the truth. We stood up for our country. And people will say, you know, oh, there's nothing heroic about that. You worked in the Trump administration. Well, you're hearing about the intimidation of witnesses. You're hearing about the bullying. There's no doubt that there are going to be threats on Cassidy's life. I'm worried about her safety. We've gotten threats recently. Welcome to the club, okay? You say controversial things before millions of people. Yeah, they're going to make fun of you on Twitter. It's no big deal. Happens all the time. You ask for it, quite frankly. Hey, threats against anyone's safety, they're illegal. I'm sorry, but I just don't see these women as courageous. Do you? You see how they've been rewarded? What did they do other than make up stuff? Oh, yeah, they are lying. Absolutely. Adam Kinzinger. You want to take that back? You really want to insult millions, tens of millions of American men saying that they're somehow more brave? Get over yourself. And that goes for the ladies, too. All right. When we come back, what was it like to be a genuine woman, competitive swimmer, and be forced to change in the same locker room as this individual? We'll meet somebody who was in that very situation. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. All right, so that's Brittany Griner, the basketball player, still in custody in Russia in big trouble. She desperately wants to come home here, and even though she's always... I don't know, turning her back on the American flag, always uh, showing disrespect. I want her back, too. I think these are trumped-up charges with the marijuana in Moscow. We have to get her back. But, 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 does it make sense to trade this guy, uh, an arms criminal that the Russians desperately want back? His name is Victor Bout. This is a very important, high-value prisoner 
uh, serving 25 years, I believe. Uh, is this an even trade? We'd also get Paul Whalen back, by the way, a uh, former U.S. Marine who was over there for uh, mysterious reasons. We're joined now by Victoria Coates. She's a former deputy national security advisor under President Trump. Uh, welcome, uh, Victoria. Nice to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you for having me. What do you think of the uh, arrangement and what do you think that it's already been made public? That sounds a little uh, not exactly to our advantage. No, that's the really bizarre thing here. Both Brittany and Paul are wrongly detained in Russia. Uh, Putin has shown himself very willing to use hostage-taking as what he would consider a tool of statecraft. So he's grabbing high-profile people where he can. But why would we make this deal public? All it does is up the ante. I mean, they're already going for Victor, who is a rightfully convicted criminal in the United States. They're just going to ask for more. All right, let's put up uh, some information about Victor Bout, uh, convicted of conspiring to kill American citizens in 2011, accused of selling weapons to al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and militants in Rwanda, uh, yeah, bad guy, uh, and it just doesn't seem like it's a it's a fair trade. So we know it's not good that it's public. What about on the merits? What about this guy being so important and Brittany Griner? I guess she's important in a different way. Forget about it being public. What do you think of the merits of this trade, potential trade? Well, we want to get our people home, and that ha has to be a priority. And under President Trump, we brought more hostages and wrongfully detained U.S. nationals home uh, than I think any other administration. But in this case, you, you have to ask, are they just doing this for a photo op going into the midterms? I mean, where, where have they been for these last 18 months? I mean, Paul Whalen has been in prison for load these many months. Why weren't they working on that case? So I, I did, this seems fishy to me just on the timing. You know, you mentioned President Trump bringing people back. And uh, I mean, some of them were kind of oddballs and you wouldn't exactly think that Donald Trump, you know, would naturally be drawn to them. But he was uh, ASAP Rocky. He was publicly working, behind the scenes working. This guy was detained, we believe, wrongfully in Sweden. He did everything he could behind the scenes to get him out, and ultimately it worked. Um, Victoria, I would like to share with you Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State. Quite mm -hmm. frankly, it's hard to believe he's got such a big job. Here he is talking about this in general terms. Go ahead. We put a substantial proposal on the table weeks ago to facilitate their release. Our governments have communicated repeatedly and directly on that proposal. And I'll use the conversation to follow up personally and, I hope, move us toward a resolution. So, Victoria, I noticed that he always seems to be talking like he's asking a question, even when he's saying a statement. <laughs> and, I mean, look, I, you tell me, is this, is this fair? He doesn't seem like a tough guy. And I think when you're negotiating with uh, adversaries, you've got to be kind of tough. Tony looks like a wimp. What do they say in your world, in the diplomatic national security world, about this guy's, you know, does he have it or not? Well, I think the proof is in the pudding, as they say. I mean, my my uh, former boss, Robert O'Brien, was the one who was sent over to get ASAP Rocky out of out of uh, the clink in, in Sweden. So I was very familiar with that case. And in this case, 
for Secretary Blinken to come out and say, basically, the Russians haven't been returning our phone calls for weeks. I mean, the Russians are pariahs on the international stage. They should be desperate for any kind of deal like this. But they're not even returning Secretary Blinken's calls. It's pitiful and very disappointing. And I think, you know, what we need is a strong voice of resolve out of the White House, out of Foggy Bottom, like we used to have from President Trump and Secretary Pompeo, and this this just isn't going to get us anywhere. Uh, before we go, actually, I, I'm intrigued by your former boss, Robert O'Brien, the last national mm-hmm. security advisor. Seemed like a very effective, not flashy, working behind the scenes, got along with Trump. Just tell us a little bit about this guy and what do you think might be next for him? Well, I'll tell you, I, I had the distinction of serving for all four of them. Uh, Mike Flynn hired me, and uh, I, I served throughout the administration. So I, I was under all four of them. They were great. Uh, all uh, served in different ways. I think Robert was probably the most effective in channeling what President Trump wanted. And he, of course, had had the advantage of working for him for a couple of years as the special envoy for hostage affairs. So unlike, say, General McMaster or Ambassador Bolton, he had an existing relationship with the president. And that's little known about the national security advisor. It's a very personal relationship with the president. So I think Robert was very successful in that way of being able to channel what the president wanted. All right. I'm not going to ask you anything else about uh, national security advisors. Nothing about John Bolton or any of those guys. I know it got kind of <laughs> tense with the president. Hey, um, finally, before we go, uh, tell us a little bit about how you get a job like that. I mean, that's a big job, you know? I mean, working in the White House in the Situation Room, uh, is that something you saw for yourself a long time ago? Or, you know, like, how, how, do, you, how do you get to that point? No, not at all. I mean, I'm an art historian. Uh, That's my PhD. So it was not something I had ever envisioned, but I had gone to work for Don Rumsfeld a number of years ago and then worked for Senator Cruz for a lot of years. And that's how I got to know General Flynn. And so these things just sort of happen. It was an honor. It was a huge privilege. And, you know, what what I would say to President Trump was you, you have given us so much just latitude to do things that weren't possible five years ago. Uh, And it's everything from moving the embassy to the Soleimani strike, remarkably uh, sort of forward-looking actions that that just can take policy in a totally different direction. So as I said, it was an honor, an amazing, amazing time to be part of. And I would very much hope that we, we can get back to those days. Yes, indeed. Well, Victoria Coates, Ph.D. in art history and former deputy national security advisor. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Leah Thomas, originally a man, then became a woman, and then dominated collegiate swimming. It was, in my opinion, a total and complete disgrace that may have even put women at risk. So, you know, no one seemed to ever talk about this, but at swim meets, (laughs) 
you have to change out of your clothes and into the bathing suit, right? So Leah Thomas was in the locker room with, well, biological women. He's not, she's not, whatever. I'm not transphobic, but this is a problem. And it was a problem for our next guest, Riley Gaines, a former swimmer from the University of Kentucky. She was an amazing swimmer. Uh, at one point, I believe, tied Leah Thomas, but it was uncomfortable for her to be in the same locker room. Uh, she's been making the rounds lately. And Riley Gaines, welcome to Newsmax. Thank you so much. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. And I've been hearing you speak out and you're speaking a lot of truth and common sense. Tell us a little bit about your interaction with Leah Thomas, please. So the only interaction we really ever had was swimming together at NCAAs. Um, obviously, this was because Thomas only identified as a woman for one year. So this is the only race, um, you know, we would have ever had together given the circumstances. And so um, we didn't actually converse that much on a personal level, but I do know, um, like you mentioned, there's ex just extreme discomfort, especially when it comes to the locker room situation. Um, and that's not just me speaking. It's me speaking, you know, for all my fellow teammates who, you know, are kind of intimidated and threatened. Um, there was tons and tons of girls who, you know, feel the same way, but don't know what to say and don't know who to say it to. So by definition, it's awkward. It's not supposed to be this way. <laughs> a person like that right. going undergoing, you know, what he was or what she, whatever. Can I ask you this? And I hate to get personal, but how did he conduct, how did she, Leah Thomas, conduct herself in the locker room? Was there anything unusual other than being, you know, the person that that person is? Was anything untoward? There wasn't anything explicitly that makes you just, you know, jaw drop other than the fact that there is someone with male parts in the locker room. Um, it's not like there was some swinging action going on or something like that, but it is, you know, someone who's six, four, whatever walks into the locker room. There's just this, it goes silent. It's just, no one knows what to do, especially this person still likes females. And so there's just this extreme discomfort all across the board. Did you say, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Leah still is interested in females sexually? Yeah, that's um, allegedly. I Like I said, I, I didn't have any direct communication, but that's what um, Thomas's teammates say, who, you know, this is something they deal with every day. Um, so, yeah, I know it's jaw-dropping. That's exactly the reaction that everyone has had. When you hear signals like this from the Biden administration, from Joe Biden himself, I think this is code for a lot of stuff. But I'd like to play this. I think it's from the State of the Union. To all transgender Americans watching at home, especially young people, you're so brave. I want you to know your president has your back. Uh, it sounds great. President has your back. But uh, when that becomes policy in Title IX and then uh, schools will not receive federal funding unless, you know, self-identified girls can use the girls' room. I mean, that's what he's saying how does that make you feel? Well, you might have, you know, 1% of the population's back, not even 1%, but you're turning your back on 50% of the population. And I think that speaks volumes. Um, it shows where the priorities lie. 
so it's not only, you know, do we have everyone's back, we're turning our back on females. And that's exactly what's happened. And it's been extremely evident and honestly showcased and praised to do so. So it's just absolutely crazy we've gotten to this point. One of the most foolish terms, I think, it's overused, misused, transphobic. We're not transphobic. This is a practical conversation, and these are practical concerns. Riley, if you don't mind briefly, I know you just graduated, uh, human health services degree. What's next for you? I'm actually going to dental school. So I'm going to be, hopefully I'm going to pursue endodontics. So You're going to be root canals. awesome. Wow. Well, not awesome. So, I know. Despite, <laughs> you know, what people say, I do understand biology. I get anatomy. I understand all of these things. Um, having gone through various classes that talk about this, you know, the differences between male and female. And I promise you, it's not just sheer height that you see in these photos. Um, there's tons of other factors that go into it. And I understand them. So. Well, uh, I'm sorry you had to go through all that, but I'm really glad you're speaking out and speaking some straight common sense. And good luck in dental school. Riley Gaines, we appreciate it. All the best and thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Fake news is really fake now. Wasn't always this bad. In fact, there were times when it was very accurate, a little bit over the top, but very, very accurate. The aftermath of the Central Park jogger rape case. Do you remember this? Are uh, you old enough? A huge case back in 1989 in New York City. Take a look. Eight suspects were arraigned this weekend, aged 14 to 17. Some of the young men told police they were just out wilding. Wilding is a word you won't find in Webster's. Wilding. New York City police say that's new teenage slang for rampaging and wolf packs, attacking people just for the fun of it. The district attorney's office says that the teenagers have confessed. The spokesman said some of those confessions are on videotape. A woman jogging and Central Park. 28-year-old woman named Patricia Mealy almost died. Uh, she was savagely raped and assaulted, gang-raped and assaulted. Now, of course, it's very fashionable to revisit these cases and say, oh, no, corrupt prosecutors and police got it all wrong and everyone's innocent. The Central Park Five, five young black and Latino boys who were innocent, who were baited into confessing to a crime they didn't commit. The Central Park Five, the teens, were wrongly convicted of the brutal beating and raping of the jogger in 1989. The Central here. Park Five, yeah. all the way back. These, these were the five yeah. boys who were wrongly in prison, wrongly convicted. The Central Park Five, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, boys who were innocent and spent years in jail of a, uh, for, for a crime they, they, they didn't commit. Uh, they're all wrong because those guys are all guilty. Yes, they are. If you ever want to ruin a dinner party, uh, bring this topic up. Oh, boy, everybody is convinced because they've been told by the fake news exactly what happened. From time to time, the case does reemerge. Recently, a uh, one of the people who was arrested and charged with uh, uh, robbery uh, had his conviction overturned. He is technically exonerated. He was never actually charged with rape. That's Stephen Lopez. Let's talk about this case, the trial taking uh, place in the early 1990s. Now, so much misinformation about what happened here. During that trial, 
uh, DNA evidence was introduced. Yes, it was. This is not DNA evidence that they discovered 10, 15 years later. They knew the DNA evidence that they found was not related to any of the people they had in custody. It was tied to John Doe. There's another person out there somewhere. We don't know who it is. That person's DNA is present. We can't tie it to any of these people. They still got a conviction. All right. DNA evidence was uh, in its infancy back then. So was this a case of false confessions? These confessions are still available. You can watch them online. Take a look for yourselves. Do you think these guys are making it up? This is my first ring. I never did this before this school room, the last time doing it. I know, this is my first experience. Did you hit her or kick her? I didn't do nothing. I was just playing with her. Did you hold her legs down? Huh? I hold her legs down for what? Five seconds. That's and that was when Stephen was on top of her? Yeah. Okay. Go easy on him. It was only his first rape, and he only held her legs down for a couple of seconds. Next. When she was on the ground and you said that you kicked her, mm -hmm. were other people also kicking and hitting her? Yes. How many times did you kick her? I kicked her like twice. Were you grabbing her arms? Yeah, I had her, on her left arm. And... Where were you holding that over her head or to the side or? So I had her like this and this. Okay, and you, and you were holding it. Was she yeah. trying to pull her hand away? Mm -hmm. When you got on top of her, you had your penis out of your pants. Yes. Okay. It's not a false confession. I'm sorry. You can say that all you want. Next, the person seems pretty proud of the parts he grabbed on the woman. Were you watching? No, I was grabbing the. Were you standing up or kneeling or sitting down beside me? I was kneeling. You were leaning over? I was on my knees. Was her shirt on? Did you know where her shirt was? Do you know where her bra was? So while Kevin was on top of her, was he laying on top of her? Mm -hmm. And while he was doing that, you were feeling her breasts with both hands? Mm -hmm. Are these the kinds of things you make up? I don't think so. The details. Some details they agree with, some details they don't agree with. Next. Was she bleeding when you left her? No, uh, I really, I wasn't that close. I didn't really see. But she wasn't moving anymore? No. And she was naked? Yes. And you just left her laying in the bushes? Yes. So the DNA evidence that was entered into the record back in the early 90s was ultimately linked to this guy, somebody named Mateus Reyes. Now, the new evidence isn't the DNA. It's his testimony that he assaulted her by himself. But you know who doesn't believe that? The victim herself. But being, well, how things are these days, Ken Burns gets involved, the liberal filmmaker. He has an agenda. He convinces Ava DuVernay that there's a real story here. And... In the end, these guys are now glorified. They are rich, tens of millions of dollars. But remember, the victim in all of this, Trisha Mele, who's written a book, is convinced that she was raped by not one person, by many, many people. Doctors agree. Law enforcement agrees. Those guys are guilty. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. All the best. All right. America